Yeah, what's up? I'ma kick it with the line, y'all know. Just slam, can I kick it like Here we go. Well, it's time to make that change. People of the world. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Ike Steen. This is a church information and open forum. I'm Ike Steen, your host this morning. And my guest is school board trustee, Miss Joyce Foreman. Good morning, Miss Foreman. Good morning. And City Councilwoman, Miss Carolyn Ong of District 4. Good morning to all of you today. All right. We're going to be sitting in for Reverend Barnett. Uh, he has some family business to take care of this morning. We're going to be uh, taking your phone calls at 972-647-1893. We want to discuss the issues this morning. And one thing we want to accomplish this morning is we want to put out good information and give you connection to resources and other things you might need community services this morning. So if you want to join this conversation, you can join it at 972-647-1893. You can join Reverend Barnett tomorrow on Facebook, Miriam Barnett Sr. It's Heavenly Joy Church, Miriam Barnett Sr. So this morning we're going to discuss a lot. We got a lot going on and We'll invite you to call and join this conversation. And one thing we want to want y'all to have a real good, safe Labor Day. It's a lot of people traveling. Uh, got a lot of family and friends from out of town. We got uh, guests here from uh, Louisiana where they have been devastated with Hurricane Ida. We got Iraqi people, I mean, Afghanistan people coming here. And we got all kind of issues going on. We got all these uh, new voters uh, suppression laws we got to deal with uh, starting September the 1st. We started this new law about gun control and gun open carry. Uh, and you need to know the rules. I think last week, uh, Ram Barnett had on uh, Eric Eric Prince, and he was a, a instructor on how to safely handle and carry and uh, you know, your weapon and, and the new rules and laws. And we have a lot going on, and you are welcome to join this conversation. We got data breach down at the city hall and at the police department. You name it, we got it. And we're going to discuss it and try to help you navigate through all this heartache and headache. We got COVID uh, in our schools. Some of our schools are uh, hit harder than others with the COVID. 19 and uh, some uh, football games have been canceled and if you and some people need to know what to do if your kid get COVID you know you need to uh, keep your kid at home for so many days and Miss Foreman can Mike can inform you and give you some more uh, information on how to handle these situations because you don't want your kid sitting at home and just being counted absent and uh, your kid may not have COVID. It might be one of the siblings. Uh, I just went through with my grandkids. Uh, one of them, the baby had COVID and he don't even go to school. But they had to keep the other three kids out of school, you know, for a certain period of time and go get them testing. They back in school, thank God. And we up against a lot today and uh, just so much going on, people. And we want you to be prayerful, be careful. Uh, some of y'all don't want to take the shot and uh, we was at a school board meeting on Thursday, and 
I call it an insurrection. Now, them, other people may say there was protesters, but they bombarded the uh, school board meeting, and they was demanding that they didn't have to have their kids wear a mask, and they didn't wear a mask. And my thing, if you don't want to wear a mask, that's fine, but don't come around the people who do want to wear a mask and protect themselves, because you might have a right to protest, but you don't have a right to endanger someone else or interfere with somebody else's health. You don't know what kind of uh, health issues these people have. So, Ms. Foreman, uh, what's your take on the school board meeting and the so-called protesters? Uh, uh, thanks for asking the question, and then thanks for uh, articulating probably uh, my position. Uh, I was really concerned that we had um, people to come into the school board meeting and um, many of them not even being um, district parents nor residents of the district uh, to try to force the board to resent on uh, its action to uh, require masks. Uh, also, um, the superintendent had gotten um, permission from the board to also enter into a lawsuit uh, against um, Governor Abbott just because we believe it's in the best interest of children and the staff uh, to be able to um, ensure that they are safe uh, in the best way that we possibly can. I was, I've been involved with the district over 30 years and I've never seen such disrespect for the people in the audience, for the school board, and for um, the public in general. I am a firm believer that in America we have rights, and it is absolutely their right not to want to wear a mask. But I don't think it's their right to be able to tell me what I need to do, nor be around me uh, when I want to wear a mask. Our staff was put at risk, in my opinion, because they had to deal with them as the board went into closed session. Um, they were rowdy, unruly, uh, and very defiant. Of well, they didn't even social distance or they anything. Did they did And if you wore a mask, they'll attack you. Yes. They'll even uh, attack the people that, when I say attack, I mean verbally Verbal. attack mm -hmm. the people that wore masks and they were just, it's like they were there to pick a fight. They wanted to, I had to tell one lady, don't engage with them because they, they had a motive of mm -hmm. getting you engaged in a confrontation right. that was very unnecessary. I, I think they acting, uh, one woman, she used so many, uh, she dropped so many F-bombs, you know what I'm saying? Uh, she was using profanity and just disrespected the police officers there. And it was just way out of control. And I think it could have been handled better by the district. But I think I they, and, and they might, uh, they didn't want confrontation neither. But these people probably be back. Well, if they come back, I hope they see something different from the district. Right. And I've, I've uh, expressed my concerns to the superintendent and the board president um, because um, my, my con uh, thoughts was that that had been a Black Lives Matter group 
they would not have been allowed. They'd call SWAT. They, they wouldn't have been allowed to act up in that right. manner. And so we have to treat everybody the same, and those people cannot come in and take over our board meeting. So I'm standing firm on my position. They're allowed to speak, but they're not allowed to take over our board, and they have to follow the rules. What everybody it, has to follow Well, one, one thing to show you that they knew what they were doing they entered the building with masks, mm -hmm. to my understanding. Correct. Then once they got there and they got into the chambers, oh. they removed their masks and became defiant. Gotcha. So they, they know the rules. Mm -hmm. uh, of course they know the rules. Right. And, and they, were, um, they were bent on uh, defying the rules, and they got pretty much what they wanted. They were able to act out with no real consequences. It's and, like they defied the law. And I think... Uh, what we're dealing with now in the atmosphere that we're in today, and I blame Trump for a lot of it, we are dealing with what I like to call the day of vigilantes because these people had a vigilante attitude. They was defiant of the law, and that's what's going on with the gun laws and so much going on in our community. You know, they refuse to obey the rules and the regulations. So we have a caller? We have a caller, yes. Uh, who we have? Uh, we have a Bill. Uh, good morning, Bill. Good morning, Bill. Is Bill there? Yes. Bill, are you here? I don't see. Oh, the yeah. line. No. We're having some technical issues. Bill, bear with us, Bill. We'll get you in here. <laughs> Well, I will try to call him back, okay? And okay. Uh, I will tell you when he's on. Okay. All right. Call back, Bill. We want to hear what you what your opinion is on it. Uh, and I, like I was saying, we're living in a day of vigilante. People seem to be defiant of rules and regulations. And, I, you know, me being a black man, I, I find it so ironic that people will say when something happened to a you know, one of our young black men gets shot down or one of our police body slam one of our young ladies. And that's the first thing they say. We back the blue and they should have uh, obeyed the command. They should have listened to the law. They should have followed the police instruction. But they're not following the instruction. So we, I don't understand. It's like they feel like they are uh, empowered to come against the rules and the regulations. Now the laws are being written, so you can't even understand them. Is Bill back? Okay, Bill is back. All right, Bill, let's try this again. Good morning, Bill. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Well, yes, uh, you were saying, that this is the first I've heard of uh, the, the, the council meeting disrupt, uh, being disrupted. School board. Like school board. School board. School board. Oh, school, I'm sorry. Right. School board meeting. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's just it's a group of radical people that have been radicalized. And, and may I ask a question? Are most of these people white that are protesting? I answer that question. Yeah, most of them, they had a, uh, they all wasn't white. They weren't 100% white, but they're probably around about 95%. Well, that's pretty much a majority, yes. Uh, I don't understand why they just, I mean, I never will understand how people can think this way. You know, it's just amazing to me that they they protest so hard for this. You know, uh, it, it they how can I say it? Disease they don't they, they think it doesn't affect them for some reason, and 
and it's just amazing to me how they don't take they don't care about the public they don't care about anybody but themselves well I, I think it is a race thing uh, as you you know said and uh but it goes, it goes real deep when it comes down to, you know, uh, when we start talking about white supremacy, and a lot of people avoid this conversation, but it's hard to separate white supremacy and white privilege. And I think that's what these people well, feel I, like I they think, are privileged. Go I, ahead. I think they, 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 I think they use that, the white supremacists use that tool. It's a tool they've been, they've been able, now they've been able to use to, to uh, uh, radicalize people like this and 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 make it a race issue, even health has become a race issue, and it's just uh, they they radicalized them, and they, you know, in the last administration gave them permission to you know break every rule and regulation they could, you know, to to further their own cause. But all right, I just, uh, I'm I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry you'll have to face that. And it's just uh, the, on the voter suppression law, uh, ladies. What can we do to to uh, I guess get out the vote even more now, or, or are we going to be suppressed into submission to all the far right? So uh, this is Trustee Foreman. I'll I'll try to answer, and then I'll let uh, Councilwoman Arnold answer. Uh, our saving grace is going to be for Washington to come out with some laws that would supersede the state laws uh, to be able to protect the voters and the voters' rights. But what we also have to do is we've got to engage our communities, um, make them understand that every election is an important election, not just a presidential election. Uh, we're going to have to get out. We're going to have to go to the streets. We're going to have to knock on doors. We're going to have to encourage our communities to come out and vote. That's the only way we're going to change things. Because remember, uh, where these voter suppression laws are taking place are basically in red states, where they have governors who are pushing against um, democracy and pushing against the uh, right to vote, which would actually uh, help them to stay in office. So we, we've, we've got to really go to work. I mean, we can't just talk about it. We're gonna have to get out there and work hard to get these voters out to the polls and make sure um, that they vote. Mm -hmm. And, and I, one another thing, people need to understand the issues when you're voting. You need to understand the people that you're voting for and what kind of people these are. Sometimes we vote uh, based on race. We want a black person in this position. We want a Hispanic in this position. We want a Caucasian in this position. And sometimes these people are not qualified for these positions or they don't have your interests at heart. So we got to be not only get out and vote, but we got to be educated vote. Ms. Arnold? Well, I, I do agree with both all the statements that have been made, but from both of you today, uh, I just think at the end of the day, when we uh, come to realize that the, the time, the, the hands of the clock are turning backwards, you have administration from the from who got their signal, their dog whistle, to begin to take steps to really dehumanize us as a people. And it's okay. And from what we witnessed, even with the January 6th insurrection against the Capitol, where you had folks who were willing to sit there and act like 
what was going on or what had taken place actually had not. So I think it's filtering down through all levels of government, and it's unfortunate that here uh, here in this state, as, as Trustee mentioned, we're going through uh, the battle of those who have those a attitudes from those that we saw terrorizing this country and murdering um, uh, those public servant agents and threatening the other representatives who were voicing for the people. So we have a serious uh, agenda ahead of us. And for, for those who don't understand, as, as, as Trustee said, it's going to take education. But sometimes when you get to the point where you lose your rights, then you begin to understand right. just how valuable they are. So thank you so much, well, Bill. I, I, yes, I, I think we're at that point. Right. Bill, 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 excuse the interruption. Yes. I don't want to be rude, but I'm going to hold you over for a second. Let me take a break. We'll be right no, back. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, let another caller come on. Thank you. Okay. Thank, thank, you. Thank, thank, you. thank you for the call. Thank, thank you. We'll be right back. 972-647-1893. Yeah, what's up? I'm going to kick it with mine, you know? All right, we're back on Church Information in Open Form. I'm Ike Stein, your host, and my co-host. I'm not going to even call them guests. I have uh, Miss Carolyn Ong of District 4. She's a, uh, uh, she's a District 4 City Council member, and I have Miss Joyce Foreman, which is uh, DISD District 6. And we're talking about the issues. Ron Barnett had, had to take care of some family business, and hopefully he'll be back next Saturday. And we have another caller. Yeah, we have a uh, Leon. All right. Good morning, Leon. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. First of all, I wanted to say, uh, uh, with, with, with all due respect to Ike, uh, thank you guys, uh, Miss Arnold, and uh, and. Uh, and, and excuse, excuse me, uh, school board member Foreman for being accessible to the general public uh, from your positions of uh, elected leadership. Uh, it goes without 
out saying that you all are consistently doing this, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, if, if, I, if I make no mistake, I heard Ms. Foreman mention that there was a DISD board meeting where all this uh, ruckus erupted. Is that meeting available for rebroadcast so we can see it? Uh, it was the last board meeting last week, and it should be uh, be available. Okay. Uh, you will so, only see the portion of the board meeting. A lot of the uh, activity that um, Mr. Steen was talking about uh, took place after the board went into closed session, uh, and they were out in the in the hallways. But you will see okay. the you can see the board meeting and see where they actually um, put them out. But my, my concern, uh, Leon, was is that um, we put a lot of our staff um, in jeopardy uh, by dealing with these individuals. And we even had a police officer that had been in the hospital for 100 days with COVID uh, that was, uh -huh. was out there. Uh, and I had to console one officer because he was concerned that they had called him a brown boy. Um, okay. Which okay. is just disrespectful okay. uh, in, in all senses. And so they were just um, doing what they thought they could do and get away with. Right. And, right. and um, I think they'll be back. And I certainly have, uh, I sent an email to the board president reminding him that the, he has the power to put them out. Uh, and right. I, and okay, I can say right. that right. because I've been put out of a board meeting, okay. so I know. So I sent him a picture of me being put out of the board meeting because okay. I wanted him to know that I understand that he has, he has the power to put people out who are disrupting our meetings. And my expectation is, is that the school board president will act on his powers or I'm going to call him out. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask the question. Uh, uh, Leon, uh, Hold on for a second. This is my concern, and nobody might want to tackle this, but to me, it seems like when white folks are in power and white other white folks are out of control, they don't handle them like they handle us. And uh, I think the situation should have been handled a lot different mm -hmm. because, uh, like uh, Ms. Foreman said earlier, had that been a Black Lives Matter protest and they would have had them put out of the building instead of tolerating that and trying to figure out a way to uh, you know just appease, appease these people mm -hmm. and I right. think they coming back based on that because there was no resistance on, but see when they put them out of the chamber and had a closed session they put everybody out they, they didn't put the disruptors out they put everybody out so it's like we were punished right along with them because of uh it's just the way the situation was handled it was way it was just the whole thing was handled very wrong you know so and that's just my thought you know uh and i'm not asking nobody to agree with that but i just feel like when it's us interruption you know it's, it's handled different we'll be uh ejected immediately so go ahead leon i'm sorry to interrupt yeah well you know you, you're absolutely correct uh, I, there's a double standard when it comes down to justice and it's always been this way and uh, the pandemic has revealed a lot of these things that have been going on in the underbelly of the country uh, that were hidden 
and people didn't realize they actually existed. Starting off in Washington D.C. and now it cascades all over the country to uh, to to, to, the, to this uh, uh, terrorist-like behavior that you see from these radical uh, right-wing uh, Republican-style uh, 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 people tactics that they use. And uh, you know, uh, what's what's even more uh, disconcerting is these people don't live in the district, don't live in the DISD district. They don't have kids in the DISD district. Yet they are trying to uh, dictate policy for kids and parents uh, and the administrators in a, in, a, in, a, in a jurisdiction that they have no uh, direct connection with. That's uh, this, you know, this kind of stuff. As y'all said before. Trump's uh, presidency made this stuff fashionable. And now uh, they're just kind of keeping the snowball rolling as best they can. But this fight is the continuation of the fight we've been undergoing for 400 years. So we're just going to have to be prepared to fight. I don't try to figure out uh, uh, racist or white supremacy. I just know the zebra has stripes. The snake will bite, and so that's what you have to do. You have to fight it according to what it is. And if you you try, we've been reasoning with these people for 400 years, and they're not getting it. So I don't have 400 more years to to, to put on it. You, you know what I mean? My lifespan is coming to a a slowly but surely end. Okay, you said we've been reasoning for 400 years. How long have we been uh we haven't been free for 400 years. So we haven't really been reasoning for. I'm not trying to debate that. I'm just saying. We stayed in slavery for, for 400 years, and uh, we only been free for a little over 100, so-called freedom. So, uh, because before then, there was no reasoning. You know, our women were raped, uh, men were castrated, and uh, our land was taken. Well, we weren't even given land. So, uh, I think the, the fight is on now, not just for... Uh, blacks, it's for everyone for equality in America because it looks like they're trying to change uh, being American. Being an American is really saying being white and I'm not trying to sound racist because it's like our rights, like we second class citizens or third class citizens, we always have to fight for something that's supposed to be already given and that shouldn't be like that. You know, I shouldn't have to fight to keep us able to vote. You know, they changing the voter registration right. laws and uh mm -hmm. and drive through but I was uh reading an article in the paper where uh I think Friendship West joined in on a lawsuit where they uh uh suing about these voter suppression laws. They call it voters' rights bills, but they're voter suppression laws. And uh I was told that it was over six hundred new laws that's been passed, you know, since the mm -hmm. since the special session and all that, but while we got to have a special session and, you know, I, I'm, we so used to everything that we get, something some got to be special about it. They got to put up a special effort to fight us or have a special meeting to talk to us while we're not included in as being a citizen, the rights of being a citizen of this country. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, got, I think Leon was basically saying we've been fighting for 400 years. He didn't say we just start fighting. Okay. And that, I, I think that's the, the issue is, is that as, as black people, uh, we've been fighting ever since we've been in this country. We fought when they brought us over We're here. We're fighting on the boat. And we, exactly. And a lot of us died on the boat. 
but I think what is going on is is that uh, it's being exacerbated. And what is happening is is that other races are now involved in the fight. It's just not right. African Americans that's being suppressed. Right. And, I- and that's where that's where we are. That's why this issue is so big. But what what people don't understand is is that um, many of us, no matter what race we are, are on the same boat. Right. They're on, we're on the same boat. We're just not recognizing it, and we're letting a few people direct us and direct our path as American citizens. And that—that's what has to stop. Because when you get to the when you get to the board table, it's for DISD. It's three African Americans, three Hispanics, three whites. So. We, we, we have got to learn how to do a better job of working together to try to get some of these things accomplished. And that's where we fall short, is we don't come together. People who have like minds, who have like interests, need to come together to try to get these things passed. We can't let a few radical people uh, change us. We've got to figure out a way to work together. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, Leon, we thank you for your call. Uh, is that it? That was all you had to say? Because we, we don't have another call. I'm letting you talk now. When, when y'all ain't okay. calling, let me say this. The people that's not calling, I let Leon talk quite a while. So don't say, well, you let Leon talk a long time. I did that because there was nobody else calling at this point. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, people, that's, that's, that brings up another interesting point. Uh, I, people want their right. But they're reluctant to fight. They're afraid to fight. And Franklin Roosevelt said the biggest fear is fear itself. So if you want your rights and you see that you're in a fight, uh, you got you either going to fight or you're going to die. So you don't have the two choices. So, you know, don't complain at Leon when Leon says, well, this is what it needs to be. But when Leon wins the battle, then you want to uh, share the, uh, the bounty. You want part of the bounty. You say what? Mm-hmm. You, right, right. So, mm-hmm. so, right, right. And I fight being a, uh, like they say, you know, when we fight, uh, uh, a lot of things that go along with civil rights, they are attaching, they are attaching the civil rights that's not civil rights. But we've been fighting for, I guess as you say, for 400 years, but we ain't been free no 400 years. But as we, as we are, and that's another thing, I, I get so tired of people saying, well, I'm not going to vote my vote. It doesn't make any difference. They're going to do what they want to do. But then you still want somebody to do something about the situation you in, the way they done done you. But, I mean, you don't know your city council. You don't know your county commissioner. You don't know your state representative. You don't know nobody but the president. But when something happens, you want somebody to do something. And when you want somebody to do something, it's going to have to be somebody you elected. That's who can really help you to do something. But I thank you for your call, Leon, and I'm going to move on to another caller. And thank you for your call and the input. All right. All right. You too. All right, uh, uh, Pierre, who we have? We have uh, uh, Malcolm Robinson on line four. Good, Good morning. Mr. Robinson. Well, good morning. How, how are you all doing? Fine. I am Great, doing Malcolm. wonderful. Thank you for coming. I'm going to throw you a boomerang before you get started. Oh, <laughs> Since I ain't got nobody on the line, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Don't, oh, Lord, Malcolm, because I'm going to have to throw it at you. Take a couple of minutes and explain to people 
what the critical race theory is. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I try to listen more than I talk. But anyway, let me say this. Uh, give a, a, a response to that. Critical race theory is uh, was, was established in the law school during the 70s. And that's when I went to law school. I know y'all think I'm young, but I'm a little older than what y'all think. And we fought for recognition and acknowledgement of racism within the law. Now, the reason why we did that is because, historically speaking, people tried to uh, uh, revisit and revise history to their benefit. But this country is based upon the rule of law. And within the law, racism was established. So it became impossible for people to revisit or revise the rule of law and historical evolution and development of the rule of law. And racism was very much literally expressed within the evolution of the law, which brings up the point of why I was calling in the first place. The reason why I was calling is that people need to understand that the Constitution of the United States of America is the foundation of the rule of law in this country. The Constitution was written by white men for white men. I'm going to say that again. The Constitution was written by white men exclusively for white men. If you don't believe me, and I encourage you to read the Constitution, all the articles of the Constitution, but basically Article 1, which deals with the voting, the right to vote, and other articles of the Constitution, and the amendments up through the 10th Amendment. That's the original Constitution of the United States. At that time, black people had no rights. I'll say that again. Under the Constitution of the United States, from the original Constitution up to the 10th Amendment, black people had no rights. In fact, no rights up to the 13th Amendment. Prior to the adoption of the 13th Amendment, and that's the amendment which, uh, which abolished slavery, black people were not people. They were considered and categorized, I'd say we were considered categorized as animals. We had no rights. The 13th Amendment gave abolished slavery. So to the to an extent, black people had a right not to be a slave, if you go and consider okay. that a right. I'm Malcolm. Okay, the 14th Mr. Robinson. Yes. Hold on a minute, let me take a break, I'll be right back. Don't want you to hold on. Okay. All right, we'll be right back, 972-647-1893.
All right, we're back on Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Ike Steen, your host. And uh, I have a special guest, uh, which is co-hosting with me, uh, school board trustee, Ms. Joyce Foreman, and uh, city councilwoman of District 4, Ms. Carolyn Arnold. And uh, we was in a conversation with uh, our great lawyer, it gives us a whole lot of free information. We get a million dollars worth of information for free, and we're going to get some more of it this morning. So are you still with me, Malcolm? Uh, yes, I'm still here. All right, I'm going to let you finish. I'm sorry for the interruption, but we have to pay some bills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very important. And, okay, I, want, I was talking about the 13th Amendment, which uh, uh, free African-Americans were freed from slavery. The 14th Amendment... It's very important. The 14th Amendment uh, gave equal protection of the law and due process. So African Americans were given a right by the 14th Amendment to equal protection of the law and due process. The 15th Amendment gave African Americans the right to vote. 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment is what brought African Americans from chattel stage to actually being citizens of the United States. The 20th Amendment is the amendment where it gave women the right to vote and to serve on jury. So 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment and the 20th Amendment is, are the only aspects of the Constitution which gave any right to African Americans as well as women. And in addition to any other persons other than white men. And that uh, established the basis of the critical race theory. Because all the laws that were adopted and the cases that were settled or, excuse me, ruled upon by judges were based upon the Constitution. The Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state. All the state constitutions are based upon the Constitution of the United States. Now, I know that Trustee Foreman and and Councilperson Arnold, they know all, all this, so I'm just making this statement when you ask a question about critical race theory. Now, I'm going to say that there are a group of people, white supremacy persons, who believe that those amendments should be repealed. I'll say that again. They're trying to establish a basis to repeal the 20th Amendment the 15th Amendment and the 14th Amendment at the least, and maybe even the 13th Amendment, which will allow uh, slavery to be established and put black people back in slavery under the law. So your critical race theory is based upon the Constitution as originally adopted to protect white men and the first 10 amendments of that Constitution, as well as the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment of the Constitution. These people that are out there that are radical, white supremacists, they want to appeal those amendments. And if you look at the law, each law that was signed in, that has been signed in by the state of Texas, you can see this through the law. One last thing. Trustee Foreman Council person, Arnold, you all are there 
based upon the 14th Amendment. When, when those of us who were around and older, I know Trusty Foreman, she's she not as old as I am, but, <laughs> but when we went to establish representation on the Board of Trustees of DISD and other IISDs, as well as 14-1 representation in the city charter, we fought primarily based upon the principle of application of the 14th Amendment, which required equal protection. So as African-Americans living within the city of Dallas and the county of Dallas, we felt that in order to get representation, they had to be established under the law. And that was based upon the 14th Amendment. Now, I'm going to be quiet because I've talked a little too long, but since you asked that question, that's what critical race theory, and that's why people are so afraid of certain folks. So that thing, that's, a, that's the reason why I said, I think last week, the Second Amendment, which gives people the right to bear arms, does not apply to black people. They apply to white men only. It was adopted uh, on that basis. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll hang up if you uh, let you have another question. Uh, we thank you. I got one more question. I'm on. Uh, when you talk about uh, critical race theory, now what they are doing is taking critical race theory, the title, and putting it on history because they don't even want you teaching history in schools now. You know. It's all got to be their history and not our history. But I appreciate you all for for the class. And I think Ms. Foreman want to say something to you. And I've got to get to some of these callers. Y'all hold on. And go ahead, Ms. Foreman. Don't wave. I'm going to make you talk this morning. <laughs> go ahead. So, Malcolm, I was really just waving at him so we could go on. But but, but what, I, what I do want to, to want the public to understand is, is that we do teach history in Dallas ISD. We don't teach that any race is better than another race. Uh, we teach the true history. And I am going to be a supporter of that as long as I have breath. Because if, if we don't know our history, then we're destined to repeat the bad things that happen to us. If we don't know our history, all right. Then we're dead. All right. Who do we have next? Uh, uh. All right. We have uh, Tony on line four. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Tony. How y'all doing? Good morning. Doing great. Good morning, Tony. All right. Uh, I'm going to add some, some uh, spice to what gentleman said, but I want to add something else, too. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I agree with General Pimmons that everybody else is taking class citizens except white men. The problem we have is that other groups think they're in line to be white. Amen. I'm giving you an example. You have an ex trustee whose child, I'm going to give his name because I think the child is protected, but my point is how you say one thing, you do another. And you, you, you stay you with Dallas ISD, but you put your kid in another institution. Hmm. You say it's an ex-trustee? Excuse the interruption. Ex, yeah, yes, an ex-trustee. Oh, okay. Just, just part of a non-profit, another non-profit organization that's trying to take down 
I-35. Your child is school age now. Mm-hmm. And now that child is going to, not Dallas ISD school, but uh, a school. But that's a, you say one thing, but you, your personal choice is another. You know, and so, you know, sometimes Hispanics believe that, you know, that they next in line, which is cool, because everybody fighting on the same crumbs. And my other point is this. Voting is a tool. And what we have is, we have a, a, a block of black voters, of black constituents who say voting doesn't matter. The problem is, most elected officials don't break down voting. Voting does affect judges. If we complain about the justice system and then we don't vote, that's our fault. Everything with welfare. Oh, you know, you get a welfare check, but you don't you don't vote. Guess what? The government chose that. And what we what we further realize is it, it's not that voting is gonna change everything. It's a tool to to leverage to get representation like Councilman Arnold mm-hmm. and Trustee Form. That's all it does. Mm-hmm. The, the work, the, the work is for us to do our part. The problem is, is that the reason why you have the fight you have right now is this: white men understand power. Mm-hmm. They understand and they lose it. White women are supporting white men, especially white liberals, women and white men, because they have a white daughter and a white son, and they see a future where, at least to them, that their kids are not going to have any advantage. They never believe in rights. They never believe in competition. So what, 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 they, what they told us is, if you work hard, do your best, you're going to succeed. That's true. Oh, in, in any system. And, 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 and that system is this. A few of us are going to make it. That's not an argument or debate on anything. But what happens is this. The bottom is going to always struggle because you need them. And what Texas just done is like the gentleman said earlier, it shows you that no one at the bottom has rights. But guess what? Right now, right now, with the numbers they have, Manic and black, and a few white, they can vote everybody that's Republican out right now. Guess what? It's religion, abortion, and all these side issues to divide. And at the end of the day, you know, it goes back to education and ignorance. What we do is we, we educate enough to be male management and that's it mm-hmm. the whole issue is I don't care if it's private I don't care if it's uh, 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 charter or public that's what African does educate to be to be middle class middle management but the entrepreneurs the people who think outside the box they're the people who got the education you know why because education is not only in the classroom it's just saying you know what this is my skill set this is what I do and, and those are people who go against the grain that they don't, they don't like because it's, it's just something in entrepreneurs or people who are free to say, hey, I don't have to be the status quo. So I just want to add that two cents to the conversation that was real, you know, because the gentleman gave me an hour with a game away just a while ago. And, and my thing is this, white females forget that the voting rights let them vote. And black females, matter of fact, you know, cause, you know cause it, because you know, right, women couldn't vote. But like, I can teach that in the classroom, but how do I really teach you that, hey, if they, if they take away, away from you, you, you know, they got you. And like the gentleman said, 
they want to repeal all this. Not just for, just, just for black people, but for white women too. And I, I, I listen off there. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you for that comment. Anybody want to? All right, who we have next? Thank you, Tony. Uh, we have uh, James on uh, line two. Good morning, James. Yes, good morning, James in Palestine. To you and your distinguished guests, I appreciate y'all always. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. In, like like uh, all three of you have been saying, informed people make informed decisions and their attitude. I heard that, attitude adjustment. Now, what's going on? I want to come in right quick on the, uh, most of the calls. In there, the barrister, as Reverend Barnett called uh, the Malcolm, uh, what he was saying and speaking to is the state of the convention. Listen at this. Those of you that know what I'm talking about, the convention of the states, Article 5. Look that up. And that's what Greg Abbott and his henchmen are doing. And it's going back to the slavery thing. Because listen at this. One of the laws, uh, Ike, that you mentioned that they, the new laws, one of them is this that the SB4 says Star Spangled Banner Protection Act. They want people to, to, anything to do with sports, get up and do the Star Spangled Banner, but if you remember the Star Spangled Banner, in one of the stances, what does it say? About the howling and the slave. The howling and the slave, no haven is safe. That's right. right, so right there, they putting it right in our face, and we, we sitting back letting it happen. Right quick before time run out on me, as you know, in the national, state, federal government, you are identified as a Republican or Democrat. Now, here's a lot of our problem locally in city, state, I mean, city, county, commission of school board meetings, and even the church. They, you're not identified as a Republican or a Democrat. And that goes with the attitude as the Mrs. Foreman and Ms. Arnold is speaking about. When we go to these school board meetings and things, you don't know if that's a Republican or Democrat making that decision. And a lot of the attitudes since Trump been in there, he stirred the water up and everybody got attitudes now. Like black people, like they said, here's what I've been saying for years on here. They, when they see black people, I don't care how rich or poor, that, that guy that's number 21 for the Cowboys, he looks like a runaway slave to white folk. It's going to be that way. We have to come together, really, and the church folk, the preacher man and all of us, come us together and let's work together. Those of us that have millions of dollars, football player, basketball, help those that don't. Don't look back and look like you hadn't been there. We haven't always been rich or right. So I appreciate the sacrifices that y'all are making. And one other thing, make the mask a uniform part of the uniform at school. I guarantee you get them in gear there. Make that mask part of that school uniform and you get their attention. That way you don't have to argue and fuss so much. And if they don't wear that with their uniform, then you write them up or charge them some money. All right. Thank you for that, uh, James. That sounds like a good idea, Ms. Palmer. What do you think about that? Well, um, actually, uh, I did um, mention that to the administration. Uh, changing our um, our policy to include masks as part of the uniform, but the the district has um, has mandated the mask, and they also have um, joined a lawsuit against the governor uh, to be able to mandate the mask. the The school district should be allowed to determine what is best for the students. Uh, not not Governor Abbott, who is not in front of these kids every day, because not only are we protecting the lives of our students, we're protecting the lives of our teachers and staff, 
uh, that are around our students. And as you know, um, under 16, they cannot be vaccinated yet. So that that's an issue. You still there, James? Oh, he's gone. Ms. Arnold, what do you think about that? You was a uh, school teacher. <laughs> well, I think uh, I agree with Trustee Foreman. Uh, but just as a, as a as a rule here, you know, I, as an educator too, I would be very concerned about students coming in without that mask because of the interaction and the closeness of of those students. So, I would simply say that. Uh, when we begin to hear more and more about stories where we're losing the lives of young children because they were not uh, have not taken the vaccine, it's very painful. And so I just don't even see taking a chance as a parent of sending the child to school in that environment. But I think teachers are going to have to stand up. Right. You know, we keep talking about what what we do, what we should do. But I mean, this at the, we're at the point now where we're against the wall. So I think if teachers refuse to teach in those environments where where and then but then too, I don't know, you may have a teacher who doesn't want to wear a mask, that becomes another problem. But I think as it, it relates, I just wanted to quickly look at our our um, report, and we're getting reports of an increase uh, from Rocky Vaz as of yesterday, where we are now reporting some 1,200 additional positive cases for the uh, COVID test and 856 confirmed cases and 425 probable cases. But from a Cumulative point, we've had over 305,113 confirmed cases. And the concern is that we have lost 4,365 residents who have lost their lives to COVID-19. So uh, starting today at, uh, I think through um, Saturdays through September 18th from 8 to 2, we will have uh, access to vaccines at Fair Park. So those who sincerely uh, want to at Fair Park Take, today, yes. say that again. It says here we have from from Saturday, September 4th to Monday, September 6th. Uh, we resume on Tuesday, September 7th. Tuesday, uh, bottom line is through the 18th, we will have testing at um, Fair Park, testing and vaccination. So All it's right. a pop-up Saturdays through September 18th from 8 to 2 and lot 13 for Pfizer first and second doses. All right. All right, well, I'm up against a break, and the call on the line, please hurry on now. I didn't want to bring you on before the break, but I'm going to bring you on right after the break. Y'all can join this conversation, 
Yeah, what's up? I'm All right, we're back on Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Ashton, your host, sitting in for Reverend Barnett this morning. He'll be back next week, hopefully, and had to take care of some family business. And my guest this morning is the wonderful Miss Joyce Foreman and the marvelous Miss Carolyn Arnold, school board trustee and city council members. And they come on here. And I thank them personally for coming on this show to give you information about resources and what you need to do for your children and what you need to do for your city. They cover anywhere from the school to your alleys, your sanitation, everything, bond money. I mean, if you got a question there here to serve you, they not it's not re-election time, it's nobody campaigning, so they're here for you. So uh who do we have next? Uh, we have uh, Chance on the line too. Chance? Yes, Chance. Okay, good morning, Chance. Good morning, good morning, it's Chance. Hey, uh, I, I want to uh, mention a couple things. I've called in a couple times. Yeah. I I just don't see any anyone fighting Austin. We have no one uh, representing the people fighting back in Austin at all. Okay? And we need some representatives uh, fighting back in Austin. So... Come, come voting. We have really got to get out, get our people to vote. We have got to bring the vote. And uh, so let's, let's let's stand together and uh, let's get these people out of Austin. And I'm going to go. But I got one thing to say. It feels like we have come back almost 60 years. I got to listen at the, looking at the date, and we have reached back. We're living 60 years. Okay. Our people fought 60 years ago. 55 years ago to get to a point and we have stepped back and that we have did we have did our people a disgrace by letting Austin step us back. I'm embarrassed to be from the state of Texas. I'm totally embarrassed to be from the state of Texas. And that's what I want to say. All right. Well, thank you for that call. I don't think we are. Uh, step back. I think we've been getting knocked back and we just got to continue to Push forward. So, who do we have next? We the moonwalk like Michael Jackson all the way back. <laughs> so, Ike, uh, we have uh, David on line three. All right. Good morning, David. Oh yeah, morning. Uh, yeah, I'm calling you from out in California. Good. Uh, Thank you for how's everything in California. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's not a place that you'd want to be right now because we've got wildfire smoke yeah. all over. And uh, I'm, you might hear it in my voice. It's a little hoarse. Right. But, uh, you know, out here about 20 years ago, we had Enron. And as I understand it, they stole uh, $71 billion in just a month or two. And earlier this year, of course, Texas got hit by the uh, uh, electric grid problems. And as near as I can tell, it was identical to what Enron did to us. Uh If uh, if I understand right, the poorest uh, who are on fixed income uh, electric uh, uh, billing, they were the ones that were hit the hardest. And so if I understand right, it was uh, $30 a kilowatt hour went up to $9,000 a kilowatt hour. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, the, the model of Juneteenth where the federal government had to finally get into Texas to tell people that they weren't slaves. Uh, the model of the electric grid down in Texas was set up in such a way that 
there was no ability for selling electricity across state lines, so there was no federal protection uh, uh, for the people of Texas. So uh, where California at least had the federal government do the investigations, uh, there are no federal investigations of what happened in Texas. So it seems to me they, uh, they intentionally set up the uh, electric grid for cheating the poorest, and I'm guessing that nobody ever got their money back, right? Well, I can't answer all them questions, but I do know that uh, I heard that Gritty, uh, some kind of way they, uh, they're under uh, bankruptcy, and the governor or somebody allowed the people that owed those Gritty bills to not pay them so but i don't how many of us is on gritty mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm with another company i don't i think uh was it the frisco or plano the whole city up there was on gritty but it's not too many poor people on that that i know of so i understand uh, what you're saying yeah it was uh, the people that got hurt the worst with the billing were on the um uh, oh, good grief! What's the expression for it? With the uh, the billing was on the um, uh, good grief. If if you're low income, you you get budget billing, and uh, and those were the you mean average? I think that's what you mean. Yeah, right. yeah. And and so when when the uh, spike went up, they were the first to be hit. Uh, people that were able to buy at the uh, fixed rate, which is kind of always higher slightly, uh, the fixed rate people stayed at fixed rate, but people who were on budget billing, who tend to be poorest, uh, were the ones that got socked, and they have no lawyers to protect them, right. and, and uh, they never got their money back. So, and it ruined their credit rating, even if they didn't pay their bills. So, you know, it, it seemed to me that... Uh, you know, if, if you look at the, how uh, Enron cheated California, uh, they got caught by the federal government. But Texas has since set up its laws uh, for the grid so that uh, the uh, electric bills cannot have any uh, federal oversight because you can't buy electricity from Louisiana or right, right. Oklahoma or, or right. uh, New Mexico. So yeah, it just it it seems to me that uh, they it was a setup, and part of the you know the big law changes. Oh, and by the way, did you notice how many laws got changed uh, on September first? I think it was six over six hundred. Six sixty six. Right. Six six six. Yeah, there's a bunch of big headlines. I saw that first on NBC. Six six six. And so for these phonies up there in Austin uh, to be claiming that they're opposed to big government, when they institute 666 laws on one day, uh, you know, there's no way that they're opposed to big government. They are big government. Well, I understand what you're saying, man. The one thing I will say before I go to another caller that... uh, uh, I read an article where the energy companies gave, uh, I think, Greg Abbott over $4 million, and they gave uh, Dan Patrick over a million dollars in their campaign fund. So they're not going to reel these people in when they're reeling them out. So, uh. Right, and you've got the uh, Texas Railroad Commissioner, who that woman is supposed to be the uh, overseer of the electric grid, and she was also on the take, and I think... Right. 
trying to remember if her husband is uh, is uh, on the take, and there were there were any number. And there's, if I understand right, Texas has no conflict of interest laws. Right. I don't understand about it. Uh, if she's on the take, uh, uh, her husband got to be on the take because he's getting part of her take. That would be my understanding. Because what I, what I bring home is part of my wife, so I don't. I don't understand that, but I thank you for your call. I got a sure, call. Sure. I want to make one comment while we're transitioning. Hold up for your hang up. Go ahead. Uh, sure. Just just for the general public, and just as an in, individual consumer, if you have challenges with your uh, utilities, you can contact the Public Utility Commission of Texas, and that's 1701 North Congress Avenue. Uh, and I believe the number there is 512 Nine three six seven thousand. That's five one two nine three six seven thousand. Where you can at least challenge uh, your rates from a personal standpoint. Anytime you have challenges with public utilities, there is a an avenue uh, for a path for protesting, uh, filing a grievance. So I did want to share that with the callers this morning here in Texas or in Dallas. All right, well, good. Thank you. you know- yeah, no trouble. And, you know, by the way, it reminds me, as you were talking about one of the power companies going under, well, that's uh, kind of a famous uh, stock market trick where you, you get one of your competition in financial trouble, you crush them, and then you buy them up at, at cheap. So uh, the uh, it sounds like uh, since, you know, most people never got their money back, it's just a way of crushing their competition and some one of the other power companies is going to snap them up. All right. Well, thank you thank for your you call. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thank you for sharing. All right. All right, uh, Ms. Arnold, what about uh, uh, rental assistance during COVID? You know, I, I think it's been a, a lot of talk about people getting behind on their rent and uh, so much going on with the uh, the mandatory evacuation, I mean, not evacuate, eviction. Eviction. That has been suspended, hasn't it? Well, I believe we have. Well, you're going to see that that is one issue. But holistically, as a a community and as the quality of life is impacted, it has been with COVID. So we're being hit on all levels. So uh, when we lose income, it does have a trickle-down effect. Right now, as part of the city focus, uh, you know that we are in the budget season, so we're dealing with the $4 billion budget in which we're focused on just pretty much a lot of quality of life issues, and I commend the city manager, T.C. Broadnax, and his staff for working with um, with the challenges that we face. Now, we received a couple of uh, billion dollars from the federal government called the National Recovery Act funds. Right. So we'll be using some of this funding to help initiate um, homelessness or to affect uh, uh, the homelessness issue and that of course is going to include some of the rental assistance so I did want to mention that we are working with about 75 million dollars is there a phone number that that somebody can call to get some of this 75 million (laughs) is that available well it's going to be working through number one getting the homeless I think we have some documented anyway about 4,000 plus people that were documented on the streets now we don't have the numbers of all, all those individuals who are in need of uh, rental assistance, but what I, I would say this: there, excuse me. If nothing else, you need to call three one one and ask them to connect you to uh, housing. 
what we do know and we have to understand uh, that there are people out there who seriously need and there are folks who are trying to take advantage of those who are in need by, you know, right. taking advantage and be, not being honest. But for those individual uh, landlords, we know they are suffering as well because they have bills to pay too. Right. And so you have individuals who've lost their income and now the, uh, the deadline I think is coming upon us uh, where you're going to have to have some accountability. So reach out to the city of Dallas. We hear we hear you and we know what's going on. And, and not only are you suffering from the standpoint of just loss of e income, we have some stress that's co contributing to mental health and where we may not want to label it as, as that, but it can push us to that right. point. Right. So feel free to call. We have money. Uh, we have a chance to weigh in on the budget, but just know you do as a citizen, but just know we're using our budget tax dollars and federal dollars to meet the needs of those individuals who need it the most. All right. Do we have a caller? Yeah, we have uh, soldiers on uh, line one. Who? So soldiers. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing this morning? I'm good. And yourself? I'm doing great. Good morning to your guests also. Good, good morning. morning. Uh, I would like to, uh, this issue, I'm, my concern is how filthy the city of Dallas has become. If you ride down the freeways, there's trash everywhere. You ride through the neighborhoods, there's trash everywhere. The apartment, oh, and I call constantly, uh, code enforcement 311. People, we are paying people that work for code enforcement. They ride through the neighborhood. They see what I see. Why is it that I would have to call to for an abandoned car that's sitting on four flat tires, weeds growing up around it, and it's been on the street for years. So much the time that the weeds done grown through the street and growed up around the car. People are running businesses in neighborhoods, residential businesses in neighborhoods, fixing uh, car repairing cars, painting cars in residential neighborhoods. And I can't understand this. I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that Dallas is supposed to be a progressive city, but, you know, you I hate to bring people into my neighborhood because it look like a small one. And that's killing my property value. I won't be able to get out of my house what I had to put into it if I decide to sell it just because of the appearance of the neighborhood. And I know you know what we're talking about. The other thing is the laws, laws were uh, reconstructed ended because of the change of the law. The attorney talked about it real well. They, when they do anything, it's about changing it lawfully. It's not emotions or anything. It's actually just the facts. And the civil rights movement was fought on the fact of we have laws that govern everything. So I would just like to uh, Miss Arnold to address this thing about how nasty this city has become. Okay. Uh, what, what, where you live at? What area? It doesn't matter where I live. I know it's it doesn't matter, but I just asked what... It's all I just, over the city. Well, I'm riding down the freeway, 45, 35. It's trash everywhere. 
Go ahead, Ms. Honor. So thank you so very much for calling. I think you've raised an issue that we talk about uh, quite extensively uh, at the horseshoe. Uh, and, and I'll just kind of hit on a couple of points. Number one, I appreciate the fact that you are calling, but you would be surprised of how many people will not call. And so oftentimes, I know as a council member, I can't be in all areas, and so I depend on uh, individuals to call. Uh, and so and so you're also dealing with not only just the issue of services that we pay for and that we feel that sometimes are not enough and not responsive, but you also have that personal, that behavior and that personal training. Because when you drive uh, down the street and you see someone throwing trash out the window and uh, bypassing the trash can coming out of the store and just throwing trash on the ground, you know, sometimes I want to say something, but I thought, well, Lord knows that I don't know, you know, you're going to end up in a, in a battle trying to talk to someone about that their home training. But I will say this, if we don't get the understanding, and, and I'm gonna speak specifically about District 4 and also generally about the Southern sector, we must call in, number one, and number two, understanding when we're calling in on our neighbors, calling in on folks, there's a price to pay. Sometimes you may get a warning, but if you don't get a warning, you get a ticket on an average is about 200 something dollars. And so when people ask for us to do a sweep in a neighborhood, they need to understand that it's the whole nine yards. Now, case in point, quickly, because I know we've got other callers, we've received a, a photograph from a constituent uh, this week, and, and I was completely flabbergasted. You actually had a car in, in, for, on the street parked, but they had also put a car on top of the car. Now this is on a public street, as if the tow truck had lifted up and dropped the car on top of the car, and everybody's sitting there in the neighborhood, and this one person decided to call. And we have this photo, and I'm shocked, and that no one would find it just mind-boggling that, that you would do that. So we have a break, but I did want to touch on that after we come back, if I could, about the next right, call. All right, Carla, hold on. We got a short okay. break. We'll be right back with you. You can join this conversation at 972-647-1893.
Yeah, what's up? I'm going to kick it with y'all know? All right, we're back on Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Ike Stain, your host, and uh, we was talking to Sojourning about litter in the streets. So right. go ahead on, Mr. Right. Well, let me just say this because I know our time is short, but let me just make a couple of points. Number one, we are a data-driven or data-driven city, as some would like to say. And what we find is that sometimes individuals would prefer to call the council members' offices, and then we'll have to reroute your concern. And we and we really support those individuals who don't really understand how the process works, and especially when we have seniors and we try to help out. But it's so important that you, when you see an infraction, that you report it. Because the more we report, the more we can get we can push out the need and, uh, from a council member to get more uh, uh, employees or, or boots on the ground. We just voted to add an additional 33 uh, code inspectors. I know we're fighting diligently because my call volume is up regarding what you just talked about this morning. So we can only get more boots on the ground when folks call and we document, and then we push it out during the budget season, because you have to remember, it's a fight around that horseshoe. You, you'd be surprised how many folks around the horseshoe will do whatever they can to keep the, the boots from going to the ground in the southern sector. And, we, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we talk about the budget, but when we start d debating budget and the needs in the south, you have folks who have to advocate for their communities in the north, but the bottom line is this, we have the greatest need, but we don't have the greatest volume of callers calling in to take on that advocacy. So I did want to share that with you. Well, if, if I could, one more thing. Uh, if there's an enforcement, if there's a vacant car sitting there, if that car is removed, then that helps the process. But if the car is just left there, and I've done, I've done this many times, if the car is left there, then the 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 people that are causing the problem feel like, mm -hmm. oh, it ain't no big deal anyway. Right, right. But right. if they come out and remove that car that I I report on, then we can see that people will see, oh, there's something to be done that's being done. But if that car is reported on and it never moves, it's still sitting there growing weeds in the street, then. There's no reason for the people to think, oh, they're going to do something about it. You see what I'm saying? So, right, so right, can right, I just right. interject something? This is Trustee Foreman, uh, and I live in the Oak Cliff area. I think that people have to continue to be proactive. I had a car that sat across the street from me. Two days, they didn't move it. I called 911. They red-tagged that car immediately. The next day, they red-tagged the car. And that car was gone within a week. So I, I think that um, people have to continue to be proactive. Even if it seems like uh, you're not getting results, you have to keep calling. We had loud music one night. I got in the car and went to found the house where the music was coming from. I called 911. That's been four years ago. We haven't had that loud music since. So you have to be proactive, and, and, and this is not in defense of any council person or anybody else. Council people are not going to be all over their whole district, just like I can't be all over my trustee district. So the eyes and ears of the community is extremely important. And although there might seem to be some frustration about not getting something done, keep calling. Mm -hmm. Don't stop calling. Keep calling. 
I'm not going to stop calling, but what I'm saying, my point is, the head of these departments, the head of code enforcement, that's where the, those are the people that can get things done because they can get on their people, hey, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And this is what I'm seeing. The department heads are not pushing the issue. Well, I can thank call you. all day. Thank you. All right. All right. Who do we have next? Um, we have uh, Ilian on uh, line two. Who? Ilian. All right. I'm not going to try that name, but who is it? Ilian. Ilian. Hello. Pronounce your name for me. Hello. Hello. Lynn. Lynn. Hello. Yeah. yeah listen to your. Uh, I'm calling. Lynn, listen to your phone and not the radio. My radio's off. Okay. I, Go. I turned that off. Have I called you? Okay. So I don't know why it's behind me like that, but I'm on the Bluetooth. Okay. I called the same like the gentleman did. What he's talking about, uh -huh. and you know what the three one one told me. That they cannot go into the homeless uh, domain and get them to clean up. That's what they told me about the homeless domain. Okay, my neighborhood is predominantly Spanish now. We have loud music. I don't bother. You know why I don't bother? Because when black folks play their music, what do they do? I don't like so that either. So I complain about somebody and we doing it too. But and I'm riding all up down all over Dallas. I got a pen and paper in my seat in my car. I'm writing down things yes. I see, and I'm calling 311 and complaining. Mm -hmm. I see some of it getting done, some okay, of it done. done A lot of you don't know, but the, the trash can in front of the 7-Eleven belonged to Dart. And it runs over at the bus stop. So I called Dart and 7-Eleven for them to clean it up. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that you do. You know, I am one of those persistent people. I tell people all the time I vote, I have a right to complain. Good. And that's what I do. Good. Very well, thank good. Thank you so much. And I want to definitely say I commend you for doing that. I, too, even as a council member, have to ride with that tablet. But this is a, an investment that is going to take all of us. This is just not a one-person responsibility. Uh, we need mm -hmm. to do that. And there's some things that you can do, what you're doing, and, and even for some of the businesses. We need to start telling them, look, I'm not going to come in here and put my money in a place that's a, mm -hmm. that allows laundering and, exactly and fill. I'm not going to do that. So it's going to take us to advocacy. But once again, some folks want, feel like they just want to complain. Number one, they'll complain. Or sometimes they'll when they mm -hmm. call the office, I said, well, have you called, staff will say, have you called 311? Well, they haven't. So you have to log it in so that we can be responsive. And I will tell anyone, especially in District 4, and if you're not in District 4, if you have a concern, uh, and that we can help you go through 311, but we will help reroute. And I'm going to say this on behalf of Mr. Mm -hmm. Carl Simpson. He's doing an outstanding job as a code enforcement. Matter of fact, it's his hard work that's caused us to get all of this money for the cleanup of alleys in which is predominantly mm -hmm. in the southern sector so i did want you to know that mm -hmm. he's, he, he's he is very much involved and i can't do anything but applaud him because when he, we call he comes but we have to go through the system so he can fight and he it's because of him we have these other 33 and we need more but we need more people like you so thank you for your hard work and advocacy in this in this city all right and thank you for your call and being a supporter. Who do we have next? Uh, uh, Ike, we have um, Randy on line three. Randy? Yes. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing All great. Right. 
good to hear y'all's voice again. I, uh, how's Brother Barnett doing? He's doing all right. He had a, a death in the family, and he had to go uh, you know, take care of that. So be praying for him. Hear that. Mm. Hey, I'd like to speak on the same issue that everyone's speaking on, the code issue. I live here in Garland, and we have the same problem. Uh, I just came back from vacation, and on my street, there's three cars here with a foot-high grass uh, growing in the street. In the street, the grass is growing five feet away from the curb in the street. Around these two or three cars on my street. And you know they've been sitting there for months and months and months. And I know code compliance has been driving by because they gave me a letter about my fence leaning 10 degrees. Uh, so my situation is you got 4,000 people roaming the street. Now I brought this up at a city council meeting many years ago when y'all first... Uh, built that uh, homeless shelter down there that helped 700 people out or whatever. And uh, I, I brought up the uh, idea of, look, man, you got 4,000 people roaming the street. You've got a mass workforce here that you're overlooking. You, you look at the people who need housing as a problem instead of an asset. You could take the larger community of those 4,000 people and put them to work half a day, give them a T-shirt, walking around every neighborhood in Dallas, downtown too, picking up trash and cleaning this. It would sparkle like the city in Oz if we did that. But we look at the people who need housing uh, as a detriment, as, a, as, a, as something sucking uh, money from the city, when we should look, at, look to them as a benefit and that would help them be able to find housing also. But the thing I have about co-compliance, just like everybody else is saying, they're waiting on somebody from the community to call on a car that they've been driving by, but because no one's called, they don't write a letter to that property. So my problem is, if you're waiting for these people in the community to have this Hatfield and McCoy uh, situation going on, you called on me, I called on you. Then there's a big problem in the sure, community sure. with the I'm residents. When it would be real simple for the code enforcement to do something simple like hold get that. the homeless to help them and pay them, of course. And, but but if you went from street to street, it's real simple. I can do it. You guys can do it. That we're paying. I can go from street to street and write down the code violations and call them all in. And then you come and do something about it, but somehow the code man can't ride down the street and do the same thing. What what is happening? Miss well, Honor, you want to well, address yes, that? Yes, sir. Thank you so very much. Just a couple of things. Uh, number one, it's going to number one. I wanted to make sure we acknowledge the fact that during COVID, we did have a moratorium on towing vehicles. Now, I'm just going to speak for this period within the last year, and I think now we're beginning to revert. We have to also understand that we had staff members and employees in, in these locations of delivering city services. That some were at home, some were working from home, some were impacted by COVID. So our our workforce right. from the city side uh, was down. I also want to acknowledge the fact once again that it, it remains very important that we advocate by picking up the telephone for quality of life. 
it's sad to say, but some, and this is not saying anything about the, the, the policy as we have it, have it now, but there's some people, communities who, who evidently enjoy living in the conditions that they live in. And so we, if we go in to try to change it, it's like, well, if you like it, well, we have to love it. So I think what's going to have to happen is we have to realize that if you don't pick up the telephone and make a call, and you don't speak to your neighbors. You don't help your seniors if, if the yard men comes out and put their bulk trash out too early. Uh, we're going to be in this same scenario year after year after year. We have to work together as a community. And your elected officials cannot do it alone, no okay. matter which level we're on. This is all of us working together for a better place. And that's all I'm going to say is that we have to work together. You have the resources available. Call and let us help you. We hear you. We want to hear you because we want to serve you. So I, that's where I'm going to leave it this right. morning is that we just have to pick all up right. the telephone. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you for your call, Randy. Well, I understand. wrap it up, Randy. I got another call. Go ahead. He gone? Yeah, he, he he's gone. He okay. hung up the phone, yes. Right. Okay. Thank you, Randy. Who we have next? So we have uh, Beverly, who would like to be on the air. Beverly. Good morning, Beverly. How are you guys doing? I love this <laughs> conversation. I'm going through the same thing. But I'm in with the neighborhood uh, community thing. And I'm also with communicating with my city council. I've had the uh, community prosecutors to come out here. We have to do something about this. This is They are so real about what they're saying. I've been here since 97, and this house on the corner of me doesn't even live on my street. They have a, they don't put up a wood fence out there. Now I'm taking them to court because they adjourn their fence with my gate. And, and that's not happening. You can't talk to these people over here. So what I did was I stepped out over their heads. I've been complaining ever since I've been here. The grass is so tall behind that wood fence. They got oh, cars back there. And you, the man, they are right about working on these cars mm -hmm. in their neighborhood. You don't see this in North Dallas. You don't see this in Mesquite. You don't see this stuff, but when you come to South Dallas, it's here. It's unreal. I have the uh, the community prosecutor in on this. I've, I've, I'm tired of talking. This is unreal, the way our black people live, and then we holler about what the white men do to us. We have to learn to take care of our own selves. Yes, ma'am. I, I appreciate that. And so I'm going to continue to say what we've just said on mm -hmm. all levels. You know, and I'm quickly, Miss Joyce Foreman, Trustee Foreman, is down there fighting for other folks' kids, and she can't even get more than two people to come down there and help exactly. us keep schools <laughs> open in our very neighborhood. So we have to be about the business of making the major the major and stop making letting the minor be the major. We need to make the main thing the main thing and get out here and support those folks who are fighting for us, who have been elected but most of all we appreciate your your advocacy right. of, of, of taking care of business and so I appreciate that and thank you for sharing your story with us this morning all right. I, I had to call I could not I could not stop I was listening I said I got to call Thanks. I know you guys are running for time but I'm doing something about this over here and I'm the only one because all around me up and down the street when they did our street I had a major gas leak over here so they had to tear it up 
judge. Yeah, uh, and the point. people got cars lined up. That's another thing. They're not towing cars. Right, man. We're, I think we're going to get started back on that. Yeah, we're going to get started back. So yes. thank you so very much. Stay engaged. Uh, yes. You guys be safe and have a fabulous weekend. You thank too. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank All you for your call. And uh, we up against a short break. And y'all can join us on our last 20 minutes. 972-647-1893. Sponsored in part by South Dallas Smiles. Located in Dallas near Fair Park. South Dallas Smiles offers general dentistry for both children and adults. South Dallas Smiles offers Invisalign ortho. South Dallas Smiles is open Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5, Fridays 8 to noon, and on Saturdays, 7.30 to noon. The address is 4432 Malcolm X Boulevard in Dallas. The phone number is 214-565-4330. South Dallas Smiles, the offices of Dr. Demetra Jones. Yeah, what's up? I'm going to kick it with mine, y'all know. All right, we're back on Church Information in Open Forum. We're on our last segment. Thank y'all for participating and calling. A lot of y'all uh, have code enforcement issues. And uh, I'm going to say this now. Uh, a lot of those code enforcement people, they've been sick. They got COVID problems at home. And, uh, and uh, I remember back when the city took a lot of them off <clears throat> and had them enforcing code uh, rules and mm -hmm. stuff at these businesses. So, uh, but they're getting back online, but be careful what you ask for, because we asked uh, for some reinforcements on traffic in Dallas, and when they sent in the state troopers, it backfired on us. So anyway, who do we have next? So we have a, a council uh, a member on line one. Okay, we got a city council member oh, on yes. line one. Good morning, and who are we talking to? Council Member Snell Atkins. Good morning, Mr. Atkins. 
Good morning, Mr. How are you doing? Good morning, Councilman. Great. Good morning, Charles, and good morning, Councilman Arnold. I just want to kind of be the backup of uh, Councilwoman Arnold and Council and um, Trustee Palmer. Uh, Trustee Palmer. Number one, we are hiring, uh, as Councilwoman Arnold said, 31 new co-officers. We do know the concern in the southern part of Dallas, but one thing that we cannot do it by ourselves. And, and, and like Councilwoman Arnold said, we are data-driven. You know, you've got to call in 311. We do have cost some a new director. We do have more co-officers. And we are going to make sure our neighborhoods clean up. But if you do not call in and report to 311, we can't help. More you call in 311, more help we get. It's just like emergency 911. you got to call in to have that data. Just make sure we have a co-officers to do their job. Sometimes coastal paint is just based on us as individuals. We just throw trash out the window. We see trash, we're going to pick it up. But if you're in your neighborhood, just consider that the city down in Santa Clara is your neighborhood. We all need to clean it up. It doesn't mm-hmm. get out of your car and pick up piece of paper and put the trash there. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I have to chime in real fast. Thank you, Councilman Atkins. And I had to be reminded uh, by staff the other day when we, uh, a lady called in and said, complained that everybody on our block had gotten a ticket. For, for early for early bulk trash out violation. And so it's important that you read the, the calendar inside the water bill and know when you're a pickup. So here now, Code is doing their job and then we get beat up because Code is doing their job. So, right. you know, we I'd prob- we probably can't win, but one thing right. about it, Mr. Atkins, I will say, I think fighting for the Southern sector has been a, a pleasure to work with you uh, just in terms of advocacy and we're just gonna keep on keeping on. But because of you also, we have not only more Code officers but we also have additional money for our Freedman towns uh, in Joppy and Miller uh, in your district, as well as 10th Street. And so we're there working, but we've got to have we've got to have the constituents. I keep talking about Council uh, Trustee Foreman as well. She needs help. We need help on the council. We can't even get folks to call in from home from the southern sector to give testimony. And in the comfort of their homes. And we talk about North Dallas versus South Dallas. If you have a situation going on in North Dallas, you will have 300 emails every hour, and you're gonna have probably 400 people trying to get online to give testimony. So trustee foreman has the same challenge that I have. We need folks to stay engaged, stay woke, but when we put the call out, we need your help because there are forces against us, even though they talk about equity and wanting to help and bring Dallas together, but it's not going to happen if we don't have the power and the muscle of our constituents. Right. So I want to just throw and that and in. I just want to say one thing before I go on. I want to say one thing. Calling my office, calling trustee farmers, and calling a council on is not going to help the situation. Calling 311 would help the situation. Right, right. I put it's not in written, it's not in print, it don't exist. It's right. Not as back up. Right, right, right. All right. Well, well thank you, Mr. Atkins, and for calling in and supporting. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. When you call 311, mm-hmm. that they're going to give you a case number and everything, and all that, 
when I call your office, if I give you a cash number where I didn't call 311, that gives you more ammunition to, to right. fight for my calls with. Right. Right, right, right. But you got to, you have to, what we're saying is go to 311 first. Right. And then let us know if there's been a delay in the response. Then we can hold right. the supervisor accountable. But just calling me on my cell phone to tell me about a violation is right. not the way. It's not, 311 it's is not, the way to go. There's no data there to record right. that it's right. been a, a right. complaint. And another right. thing is, a, a now, I sympathize with y'all being yeah. elected official because a lot of times people fight their best fight against us. Fighting against y'all right. instead of fighting for the cause. Right. You know, I like everything that. that go wrong is your fault. Right. They didn't pick up my trash, Mr. Honor. What's going on? Right. Call 311. Right. Uh, Ms. Foreman, they are. Uh, they didn't, the bus didn't run this morning. Right. We'll call the district right. and let them know these kids didn't get picked up. Right. I can't go by there and pick them up. I'm at work. So anyway, who do we, who do we have next? <laughs> we have uh, Weedy on uh, line three. Who? Weedy. All right. Uh, good morning, Weedy. Yes, good morning to uh, the council members you just I seen and... Uh, I'm calling about, uh, my name is Willie, by the Willie. Okay, I'm sorry, Willie. No problem, no problem. I, I noticed y'all, I live out here in Pleasant Grove, and the Hispanic population, I noticed y'all never mentioned them. They got trash in their neighborhood. I walk up the street, sidewalks, and buckets, cars in the yard. I believe y'all were scared to say anything about the Hispanics. Well, we're talking about everybody. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we we taking calls. We ain't throwing out accusations. But if you got a problem with it, just come on with it. I've got a problem with the trash and stuff on streets and in the parking lot at the store. What's what, what, called? Right. So, so this is what I'm going to suggest, Willie. Once again, because we're not trash is trash and neighborhood is neighborhood, regardless of race, creed, of color. If you're in violation, you're in violation. Call 311, report the offense, but make sure you hold that agent accountable by asking for a service request number. When you get the service request number, that becomes the digital ID for us to track uh, so to speak, that event. And so we can hold that code officer accountable. But we've got to get beyond dealing with who, who, what color, whatever is in the right. neighborhood. It's about trash. It's affecting our environment. It's affecting our property values. Right. And so if we care, it, don't, it doesn't take but two or three folks to form a team. You can be the unofficial neighborhood team to call in and then if you have someone with barriers, language barriers, call and let us know at 311. Or call your council member so we can get the appropriate staff there. So those would be the solutions that I have. We need to clean up our neighborhood because it affects us as a right. whole and it drives community. Your property right. Right. Down. And we so Dallas I, is trying to move forward. All right. So thank you for your call, Willie, and and call 311. So who do we have next, uh, Pierre? Uh, we have uh, James. Good morning, James. Uh, yeah, good morning uh, to the panel this morning. Good morning. Uh, I, um, you know, talking about the governor's 666 new laws that he, uh, that they have put into effect. Um, one of them, and this is for the uh, councilwoman, one of the laws uh, bans homeless encampments under certain kinds of conditions. You know, I think it's just another attack on people for not having enough money to have a house. 
have, a, have an apartment. Uh, it's an, I think it's another it's another attack on the homeless. Anyway, I want to ask the councilwoman, uh, what uh, do you all plan to do about the homeless? Uh, because this is going to, I think the fine is $500. Uh, and I can see that really getting to be something. Anyway, I'm going to hang up and uh, get you answer. Okay, thank you for calling. And what we have done is we've approved over $75 million to put to place uh, individuals who are homeless, but also not just to uh, purchase hotels and other uh, facilities so that that you can inhabit uh, uh, become a, a resident, but also we're spending money on wraparound services. You know, this that's a traumatic experience when you're homeless. Uh, you've got mental issues even coming with us as a result of COVID. So we have voted for the money. If you remember in 2017, we voted for about $22 million for homeless support. So we are being more aggressive. We're one of the more aggressive uh, programs along with, I think, San Antonio and a few other cities who are now taking money, putting, buying facilities, placing those who want to be placed. Now, I understand there are some who are giving us pushback. Right, right. And not everyone wants to come in in a shelter environment and and some of them because they're adults they don't have to take the services so but what we are being very proactive we've approved the money with uh the council vote we're going to buy the facilities and put those individuals who want to be housed put them in a facility give them wraparound so that we can perhaps rehab put them back in the workforce and just kind of help put them back right. into the normal flow of things and it's going to take time and, and effort so i just want to say this really really quickly the the, the city hasn't looked at the homeless problem i think in the right way for years we want to look at homeless as if everybody homeless has the same issues right. uh, that's not correct and i think the city is finally on the right track uh, by purchasing these properties and finding a place for them to live temporarily and supplying them with services you have all kinds of issues some people are working homeless. Mm -hmm. uh, they live in, they're living in their cars, but they have right. a job because they can't afford um, the, the rent in the apartments. Right. So I think the services that are now, um, the city is now looking at, because when they built the downtown uh, facility for the homeless to help with homeless, it was outdated when they built it. Right, mm -hmm. right. Mm. Made absolutely no sense. I had right. a business downtown for 30 years, so I'm speaking from experience. Right. And now we're moving in the right direction by trying to um, find some way to get them off the street, those that want to want be off, to the street, off the street, right. because some of them will not come off the street, right. just, just will not do that. But the ones who do, I think we're moving uh, finally in the right direction by finding places for them to stay and um, by um, giving them the services that mm -hmm. they need uh, to get them back on the right track. Right, right, right. And one quick thing, too, it, I think it also helps those families who are out there. Mm -hmm. We can get the kids back in school, uh, get the help that they need also so that we can give them a chance of getting an education and that we, they're entitled to. Yeah, we yeah. do have yeah. uh, homeless students within right. the district, right. and we do provide services for those uh, students. We welcome uh, any family members out there that are homeless and have students that need to be in school uh, to uh, call the district. It's 972-925-3700. 972-925-3700 uh, to call the district and um, make sure that those children are, are in school. I mean, the guy called, I, I forget the bill that he quoted about the homeless bill. I, 
I'm not understanding how you gonna charge a homeless person five hundred dollars. If they had five hundred dollars, they can go rent a room or do something. But I mean, there's so much going on with this government now, and we just up. We got our backs up against the wall, or we're trying to. And I understand what Mr. Arnold was saying about the budget. While people think there's money that's set aside just for specific projects in their area or their neighborhood, that money has to be fought for, mm-hmm. not bargained. I didn't say they had to bargain for it. Or, we have to fight for that money. And, and when you don't show up at a city council meeting or you don't go on a, a Zoom meeting to voice your opinion about the budget and they up there fighting, then... Uh, those people that's listening say, well, you're here by yourself. Uh, you're the only one concerned about it, so why should we give that kind of millions of dollars over to District 4, uh, Miss Arnold, when uh, ain't nobody here uh, right. advocating for this money. But North Dallas, you got 2,000 people online trying to log in and giving comments. Uh, I've been to school board meetings and uh, 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 city council meetings about budgets, and it's a fight. Right. When I went down there to fight against the charter school, and I went down there before uh, uh, the planning commission, the first thing they asked me, "Who's with you? What homeowners association? Right. What are right. people that with you? You, I'm down there by myself. Right. You got to have people, people of the government. You pay the government. If you're not gonna fight for yeah. what's yours or try to get something done." I mean, sure. they're just your representative. Right now, we got about three more minutes, and I think, and I'm gonna let Miss Arnold and Miss Trustee, Trustee wrap it up. I know somebody's probably calling, but I'm not gonna take any more calls because we're short on time. How much time we got? Uh, how much time do we have? Uh, we have one color, and we have exactly uh, four minutes. We got four minutes. Let me yeah. take that call. I got four minutes. Who do we have? And uh, we have Joe. Joe, Joe, you got about a minute. Joe. Hello. Yeah, got about a minute because we're trying to wrap it up, but come on. Okay. And thank you. Thank you for calling. Right. Yeah, just tuning you guys in. Look, real quick, uh, I want to know why are there so many homeless veterans on the street in the past wars and what have you? That was not the problem, but a large portion of homeless are veterans. And one thing, why uh, the greatest portion or uh, good portion of your suicide from homeless on the street of veterans? I'll listen for your answer. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say this, right, since you asked that, because uh, I, I know a veteran that, uh, you know, served in Iraq a couple of terms and stuff, and he's so concerned about how is it that America can bring over here so many Afghanistan people and you got all these veterans on the street, we can't do nothing first. So mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. that's a hard question now. Right. And I don't have an answer. Well, I don't have told, but it's going to take partnership on the federal level and state uh, because I, as a council member, District 4, I share in District 3 with Casey Thomas uh, with the Veterans Hospital. Now, so I see this. But what happens is this. You'll have folks who will vote to put more money in a park than they will for veteran services. Hold now, up. Yeah, so I'm just going to... Not only that. a park, a deck park. Well, but see, <laughs> Diane Gibson does a pretty good job with that veterans court. I have right. to give her a shout right. out. But we should have more funding from the federal to the state level to the city level to support those veterans who have fought for us. And I'm with you 100% on that. And I'm working hard. But guess what? We need the families of those veterans also to begin to stand with me as I fight for veterans because I'm going to speak about myself in District 4. 
course. Right. But we've got to have a different philosophy as it re as it relates to those who are given of their of themselves for our country. All right, Miss Foma, you want to give the benediction? So, uh, and I'll try to do this uh, quickly. First and foremost, it's, it's always exciting to be here and have an opportunity to to serve the community with you, Ike, and Councilwoman uh, Arnold. Uh, I just want to remind the um, the listening audience that uh, we are back in school. We do have uh, protocols uh, for COVID in school. Um, and uh, if you have any issues regarding your student being back in school or your, any concerns, please don't hesitate to call Dallas ISD. The number is 972-925-3700. We're always available to serve you, uh, and we want to make sure that our students are getting what they need to be prepared for the future. All right. And we thank y'all for listening. We enjoyed y'all. and uh, definitely did. Wear a mask and get a shot. It used to be uh, against the law to wear masks in these stores. Now it's almost against the law not to. And get you a shot. shot. Stay sanitized and stay distant. Thank you. And listen, tune in to Realm Barnett tomorrow morning at... Uh, Heavenly Joy Church at Marion Barnett Sr. on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day. God bless. Don't let this world mislead you. Don't you ever go astray. Trust in God's word and believe it. Cause it'll never pass away. We'll see a man in his glory. Riding on the clouds of joy. Us with open arms and peaceful evermore. I know that every 